Welcome back to Snares Book Prep Uncovered, the podcast where we talk to staff, pupils and parents to understand more about the school. Each episode I'm joined by Ralph Dalton, head teacher at the school, and together we speak to a different guest, so it's a bit of a three-way conversation. In this episode, we speak to Ray Lee, who founded Football for Fun, an external organisation that comes into school to run one of the after-school clubs. But first of all, Ralph, how are you doing today? I'm great, thanks Simon. Uh, it's It's... Always a treat to do these. Uh, it breaks uh, the norm of the school week, so and I get to I get to hear from and chat to some really interesting people. So uh, yeah, it's a, it's it's very exciting. You know, I feel like every time we record one of these podcast episodes, there's that familiar sound of children playing outside your window. Is is that a, a permanent noise at school? Yes, I have it on a tape and I just play it. Um, <laughs> Uh, no, no, it's uh, it, it's lunchtime here, so uh, I think it's uh, I think it's the early years foundation. I'll, I'll pop my head up and have a look. I can confirm it is the early years foundation at play. <laughs> Excellent. What can you see them doing right now? Oh, hang on. I did come back there to tell you, and then I paused. There are a lot of balls in use. Um, <laughs> I think it's. <laughs> I think when you watch a playground, it's a bit like watching chaos, but <laughs> there is there is some pattern to it. Yeah, it just takes a while to tune into what the pattern is. But um, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's. Uh, there's a lot of smiling. There's a lot okay. of smiling. Okay, Ralph. Before we bring Ray in, just tell me three reasons why you why you asked him to help out with his football for fun program what is it about ray i think i i was really taken with the culture that he tries to or the culture that is created around the football coaching mm. it's about developing the whole child it's about them enjoying the process it's about them being respectful to each other through learning um learning to see challenge as an opportunity to get better rather than as a as a problem like ray has mm. a um a saying the way you see the problem is the problem mm. um so <laughs> that sort of learning culture that respectful culture uh his expertise in terms of you know knowing how to knowing what a child needs to do next mm -hmm. in terms of what skill they need to to practice or um, mm -hmm. do but also being able to turn that into a game situation mm. so it's not done through drill it's done through changing the rules of the game or the the mechanism of the game which just encourages them to utilize their skills so mm. fairly often he'll challenge a pupil to only score with their left foot or right okay. it's not actually actually probably with ray it wouldn't be you can't score with your other foot it'll be double double if you score with your left yeah, yeah. Um, which yeah. encourage they still have the choice. He's very respectful, very respectful mm. of the individual's choice. So you can mm. still score with your right foot, or first time finish is another one of his. So it's changing the rules, um, mm. and just then the passion that he brings mm. for children getting the opportunity to play football in a mm. supportive, fun, caring environment, but also that teaches, you know, life's bigger lessons, including winning and losing. Mm. Um, but making sure that the focus is always on development mm. primarily. Excellent. Right. 
Well, should we bring him in now and then see what he has to say himself? Absolutely. He's far more eloquent on this topic than I am. <laughs> All right. Let's do that now. We'll bring him in. Ray, thanks very much for being on this episode of the podcast. How are you doing today? Yeah, I'm very good. It's a really good day for me um, today, um, of all days, funny enough, because uh, I've just been uh, awarded uh, a respect, FA Nationwide Respect Award um, for my the stuff that I do with, um, with football, which okay. is nice to be uh, recognised for that. And, oh, very good. Uh, well done for that. They've asked me to be busy today retweeting and stuff, but I'm not great with technology, so I'm going to try and get some other people to do the retweeting and stuff for me. But yeah, it was, uh, yeah really good. Really good. Great stuff. Well, well done for that. Uh, Ray, just tell us a little bit about yourself, could you? How you got into football when you were young and why you're so passionate about football for fun? Oh, that's a really, uh, really deep question. My, my, my first memories go back to um, I had an incident when I was five years old, a month before I was six. Mm-hmm. Uh, my dad was big into cricket and he took me to me and my brothers to the Bristol uh, County Ground to watch the West Indies tour inside of 1976 play against Gloucestershire. Okay. And I, had, I had an incident where I was going, coming from the toilet from the main pavilion and uh, one of the, the, the captain, uh, Mike Proctor, hit a six and the ball came over the, the, uh, the stand and it hit me on the head. Okay. And, um, right. Yeah. And um, woke up, taken to hospital. It was checked out okay. Went up to see him two days afterwards, and I was presented with a cricket bat with all the autographs and so on. And so on. my dad was over the moon. And from then on, I fell in love with football, <laughs> <laughs> cricket. And then my memories of cricket faded from that moment, and just playing football was the thing. We used to just play football for hours on the streets and that was all my whole life has been since then just involved in football on a day-to-day um, basis even to the point where where we had exams at school and everyone's thinking about their futures so I'm just thinking well I'm only going to be playing football I didn't even know what a professional footballer was I knew they, they played football on TV and I supported Man United and I cried when Arsenal beat them in the 79 um, FA Cup and someone scored in the last minute but I didn't have an understanding of it. But all I wanted to do, it wasn't to be a professional footballer. I wanted just to play football every day. I didn't think about responsibilities, houses, jobs, mortgage bills. I knew nothing. All I wanted to do was play football mm-hmm. every day. And I honestly thought that anyone that wasn't playing football every day was mad. It just didn't make sense. Why you'd be doing, going shopping or anything else other than play football. Mm-hmm. That's the only thing I had ever thought about doing, ever. Mm-hmm. That's it. Mm-hmm. So tell me then why it's called football for fun instead of football for results or football for skills or football for anything else. You're definitely football for fun, aren't you? Everything about that. So from the age of six going forward, for the next 10 years, I've played at school. Um, I played for a Sunday and a Saturday um, team, only the two of them. I played for my district. I played for the county. And it was that. It was fun. I... In terms of parents, my parents had never watched me play football. I'm one of 12, and I don't even recall any of siblings or whatever taking any interest in stuff. It was just my thing. Sorry, you're well, one of 12, did you say? Yeah, one of 12. Well, wow. nine. Yeah, nine of 12. So it helps build character <laughs> and confidence and all kinds of stuff because you survive a lot. Um, which is just, I mean, at the time, it's just your norm. So you can't compare it. It's just what it is. And. When I um, played football, it was just for me. So I would go. I'd always be collected and someone, my manager would pick me up and bring me to games. And I never really experienced what my teammates experienced because they would always have 
the parents are in the car on the way back shouting, pointing things about their performance or at the side of the pitch, they're always shouting out and all that nonsense, what to do. And was really engrossed in it. And I never experienced any of that. No one would shout and tell me what to do from a parental perspective. Mm. And, but the kids have that pressure on them and I'm playing free, just free to do whatever I wanted to do. And I then, at the age of nine, I think it was, um, I was playing for my school team. I, was, I would have been in probably year four, playing in the year six team. Okay. And uh, a scout comes in, or a scout was, and asked me how old I was. I told him, oh, you're, you're too young. I'll be back for you in a few years. And it was an Arsenal scout down in Bristol. And he was, he was true to but he came back to me and I was 13 and said, I've got uh, train tickets for you to go up to Arsenal to have a trial or whatever. And I went up there, spent could be a weekend or a few days. And then I remember going to other clubs. I spent time at Chelsea, Southampton, um, Man City, uh, Nottingham Forest. And then you were asked to sign forms, all of them. And I decided to sign for Arsenal um, because it was in London. And my sister lived in London. And if I was going to play football, I was going to be living with her. Mm. I wasn't going to be living in digs or whatever. So I decided to sign for them. But when you sign at 14, I'm still living in Bristol and going to school there and playing for my own Sunday and Saturday teams. I would only go up sometimes weekends, sometimes during school holidays and so forth. And when I look back on it, it was just pure just being able to play football. But when you go to the professional clubs, there's more scrutiny and there's more expectation and so on and so forth. And I was fortunate enough to be offered uh, scholarship forms to start an apprenticeship um, at Arsenal, which we started in about 1987. And all of a sudden, my view on football is now starting to change. So I couldn't get my head around this thing where we would get to train every day, which is wonderful. But we, we were given jobs and duties, like we have to wash the kit, clean the changing room, clean the bus. And I'm, I'm questioning, well, why? This has got nothing to do with me playing football. And I had a real problem with it and even accused of having a, a bad attitude by some of the staff there. Because I would question, I'm saying, but if you want someone to clean the toilets, you'd employ a cleaner. I've come here to play football. That's all I'm interested in, in doing. And then it became more of a chore. Not so much at the time, just as reflecting back. When you'd play a game and, you know, they'd make you watch a video of the game and scrutinise your performance, what you didn't do well. And and if you lost the game, you'd be punished. You'd come in the next day and they make you run. If you won a game, you'd get fish and chips, maybe a crate of beer afterwards. you get the next day off. So in our minds, it was just everything was about winning and not losing. Because if you lost, it would be running. If you won, it would be a day off. So you decide what you want to do. And then sometimes you're having to compromise your own performance. So I was a, a winger, forward kind of player, skillful, fast. And the reason why they brought me there was because of those traits. But we could be winning the game 1-0. and We'd be told, sit in, sit tight, protect, just get the ball and put it forward and close the game out so we could win. And I'm not understanding why that is because I'm now not being able to do the things I want to do, but you still want to be associated with winning, but it came at a cost. So when I left Arsenal, we were successful. We won the FA Youth Cup in 88, 89. We won the Reserve League and 10 of us were told, we've got no space for you, you're going. And then our coach was promoted to the first team job because obviously he was successful. His team won the league and he got promotion. But 10 of us were told we're not going to be good enough to continue. Mm. And I started to question, well, what is this all about? Yeah. I then end up in the real world of coming out of this bubble of being at Arsenal 
We used to have our own doctors, our own dentists. If you, if you were injured, you just go straight to see a top specialist, scans, everything was done. And you come out, I'm in the real world, and I'm like, wow, I didn't know I had to get a dentist. I need to get a job. I need to do this. I then spend time at other clubs trying to get a contract. By now, I've got a, a property, the mortgage to pay. And it's like, wow, this is getting more tougher. Hmm. And then I, I realized that when I, I, I had a moment where I fell out of love with the game for a short period of time, I ended up playing football at the end on my journey up in um, Scarborough. And by now I'm just playing football for money because I've got bills to pay. We were training on the beach. I didn't enjoy it. Um, the facilities weren't great to what I was used to and so on and so forth. And I'm starting to question and I had this moment where I kind of fell out of love with the game. And then it kind of quickly reinvigorated with this idea that if I stop playing football professionally, and I have to go and play part-time and go and study I haven't done any form of studying other than O-levels, which I did when I was 16. Then I've got this thing, I'm going to set up a soccer school and do coaching. And it will be called Football for Fun because I need to put the fun that I experienced as a child back into the experiences that children were having. And at the time I'm looking at it and I'm seeing the same nonsense, parents on the side screaming and shouting, kids not enjoying this beautiful game. Hmm. I'm thinking I need to address some of those wrongs that were done to me and also to make sure when children are playing, they have that same experience of what the game gives you by just being able to play and partake in it and so forth. So it's and it's lived with me ever since. So how does that translate then into actually playing football and watching the children playing football? What, what do you actually see and what do you experience given that you're pushing the fun aspect of it? Well, what it is, it's, it's, it's difficult because when I look into the psychology of people, we are what we are through conditioning. So I'm who I am because of my life's experiences. Being one of 12 is a major part of who I am because of my life experiences. Being in a professional environment so um, is part of my experiences. When I look at why the parents do it and why the coaches do it, it's because of conditioning. And they're well-meaning. It's obviously their children. They love them. They want the best for them. But they don't actually see the damage that it can cause. And then you have people that will compare it to real life. But life's competitive. To get that job, to be successful, you have to be competitive. And children have to have that desire to win. And I'm saying that's not wrong either. But when you actually bring it into children's stuff, you have to see it. Or you can try to see it from a different perspective. So people will take you, it's all about winning. And I would say, yeah, I actually agree with you. And some people are surprised that they, that I would say it's about winning because the assumption is, oh, football for fun, they're not serious. It's just about kids having fun and playing. Mm. And there's a lot more to it than that. It isn't just about fun. Um, because the idea of the game is to win. Mm -hmm. And you win by outscoring the opponent. So I um, designed a, a workshop to kind of sell that message, which is winning is not a dirty word. It's the purpose of the game mm -hmm. to outscore your opponents to win. However, you must consider the cost of winning. And that's my issue. It's not whether winning is good or bad. It's what is the cost of winning? So you can have a school match like we used to experience in my early days where the goalie could get the ball and you just kick it long down the pitch and someone runs onto it and they score because you may have a big, strong striker and they score because of their physical attributes and you win the game. But when you reflect back and say, what was the cost of that? Well, mm -hmm. you didn't learn to play out from the back. You didn't roll the ball short. The players didn't get the chance to receive, to play forward and develop. 
So with winning, you kind of have to also look at the, the cost. And my issue isn't winning. It's always, what did it cost for that win? And invariably, who pays the price? Mm. And I would always say, it's always the children. And it's always going to be their development that pays the price of that win. So we're not saying you shouldn't play to win. People sort of talk about games being competitive or not competitive or friendly matches. If mm. I took you to a game, you wouldn't know if it was a cup game, a league game or friendly, because invariably you have two teams, one ball, natural competition. One team's trying to score, one team is trying not to concede. And that happens in every game. Mm. I mean, sometimes I even listen to Match of the Day and you hear managers talk about, oh, I was really pleased with our guys because uh, we won the game and we came out and we never gave up. We kept going till the end. And I'd be saying... As opposed to what? <laughs> what do you mean going to the end? The game lasts 90 minutes. <clears throat> if you're one nil up or 10 nil up, you're still trying to score and not concede. That never changes. It's the way that you look to do it. And, you know, what are the children going to benefit from that? And that goes to all sports. <clears throat> I've had it with cricket, where we've had 25 years ago, when I first started at the school that I work at, we'd have matches where the other team were really good. And we would sometimes have to bat twice. And in one year, I was lucky to have two boys that play county level and they would go in and bat and they would knock off 100, for example, and then they would go in to open the bowling and knock out everyone. Mm. And I've got children <clears throat> that are now winning and I'm happy that we're on the winning side saying, I don't want to play cricket anymore. And I'm like, well, why? And so I didn't get a chance to bat or bowl, <laughs> but I've won. I don't know what I've won because I'm standing out in this field. I'm not really enjoying it because I didn't get a chance. It just made me kind of question, well, this winning thing, what is it? What does it look like? And who really benefits from it? And you break that into performance because you could be on the winning side and not play well, on the losing side and play well, but it's not really given any credence or importance. So that was really important to me because it happened to me that I was in certain ways, we played to win, but it didn't benefit me as an individual. Mm. And I should have been really, my focus should have been, I mean, a friend of mine coined the phrase, the game within the game. There should mm -hmm. be 12 games, one match, plus an individual purpose for each individual player playing 11 aside. And if my game is to put more crosses in, get forward a bit more or do whatever, I should focus on that. But when I played, it was the win was the thing. And there was a saying that we were taught at Arsenal, and it was a win covers a multitude of sin. Mm -hmm. And it's never discussed when we won. It was only ever discussed when we lost. What did we do right? We were. But if you won, it was never really too happy. We won and that was it. But if you're really looking to get better, you have to look at your performance and try to improve it. But even with kids, which is an issue now, is that we have games every weekend and coaches will be with the kids 10, 15 minutes after the game, fingers pointing and telling the kids normally if they've lost. And I'm thinking, do children, they're coming to play, do they need to have their play scrutinized mm, that mm. depth or is it guys well done you've enjoyed yourself blah 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 blah. if there are any issues over two or three weeks you might want to intervene in training but they just they're so upset and it, that upset carries throughout the week when my boys finish playing i just guys thanks for coming really enjoyed your efforts you put in today and you didn't waste my sunday and you know we'll see you um next mm. week and if mm. there's any issues you may see that you want you need to help the players with you recognize that over a few weeks and then you can start to slip in things in training to help them with that. Yeah. We don't want to highlight it that they're not good at this or they haven't got that because it's play. And yeah. play doesn't need to be... When I played, 
in the adventure playgrounds or in the park. No one came to tell me what I was doing on the seesaw or on the swing. I wasn't swimming high enough. Or, <laughs> no, you don't get that feedback. You just do it naturally. Hmm. And you develop your abilities through play without hmm. realizing. And I think it, when children are in that environment, that happens naturally. Okay, so you're talking about coaches there and the approaches that coaches take like during and after a match. What do you look for in the coaches that you bring on board to help you? Well, they have to be people uh, coaches. Uh, football is secondary. And luckily for me at Football for Fun, I would say the vast majority, if not all of the coaches, were once a child on the soccer school hmm. that have been through the soccer school, got to 12 or 13, too old to play. They come along and help out assistants and so on and so forth and then they work through at 16 they will go and do their level one invariably with me because i would deliver the courses on behalf of dfa and be able to put my spin on the important values that i would put into that as well hmm. and then it just becomes full circle they know it exactly what we're all about and hmm. it's about the children being first seeing them as children and not not really seeing them as players or footballers but seeing them as people Mm. When you see them as people, then your responsibility is wider than just how did they play. Sometimes it's, well, what are they like? You know, are they going to be polite and all of those kind of things? Because those are values are important just for life, let alone mm. just for football. And if you narrow it just to them as a player, mm-hmm. you're narrowing what you could be doing to help them develop. Mm. Ralph, I'm guessing that this is an approach that uh, fits well with you and fits well with Snaresbit Prep. What's your experience of being on the receiving end of this? For me, everything is about helping a child become the best person they can be and going out into the world and being able to contribute positively. Mm. Um, We want to give them a broad range of experiences and we want them to enjoy those experiences so they come back and to see, you know, it's, it's about encouraging them to make their best better. And I think we know in, um, there's, there's been a lot of academic research in the sense that if you, put a grade on something so in maths english you have a grade on it Um, in sport you have a result if you Mm. put that grade on it all that people focus on is the grade Mm. time and time again as a matter where what it is Mm. as soon as you whatever name you give it um, you start focusing on the outcome Um, the how you get there becomes less important and i Mm. think what we want is a supportive environment where children are encouraged to think about what their best self is and to enjoy the experience Mm. um, rather than be a cog in a mechanism to win or to produce an outcome I mean I don't don't know if Ray will mind me telling this part of the story that he sort of sort of or he didn't quite so when I when he first told me that story he said um, you know they'd won all these leagues their manager gets promoted to the um, you know to his next position and as he said 10 of them got released and when you told that to me Ray the first time you said and I said but how can that be I've done everything you've asked me to do all the I've been here since I was 14 years old every training session I've done what you've asked me to do and now you're telling me I don't have the skills for that next level but you were the ones in charge of giving me those skills for the next level how can I not have those skills Um, and I think that's what Ray you know says when we when we look at them as players and as a way of getting an outcome mm. or when we only focus on the outcome we forget about developing them and developing them as football players mm-hmm. and developing them as people so Ray just in the last 30 seconds anything else to add to what Ralph's just said there 
Well, it's funny. I was reading an article this morning about a documentary on the BBC this evening about education and back in the 70s, these special schools and so on and so forth. It's an interesting thing. And I copied a quote that the woman said. She was sent to this special school and wasn't able to achieve things that she wanted to achieve. And she actually mm-hmm. said, I could have been anybody, mm-hmm. but I was never given the tools to be the person I was born to be. Oh, gosh. More experiences. Yeah. So she said, I could have been anybody, but I was never given the tools to be the person I was born to be. Yeah. And that resonated with me because it's our job to equip the children, to give them the tools to yeah. be the best person that they can be. Yeah. And that's where, that's what, what we try to do. Ray, we need to bring this to a close, but thanks very much for being here today. And thanks for talking to us about football so passionately as well. It's great hearing your backstory and thanks very much for your time here. Well, my promise, it's, it's a pleasure. It's, it's, it's something that we're trying to share with more people, parents especially, uh, so they can understand how they can help us make a better environment for their children to mm. grow in as well. So we're trying to change conditioning and psychology, how people see things. So yeah, thanks for giving us the opportunity to, uh, to do that. That's great. Well, thanks very much. Thanks, Ray. So Ralph, that was Ray, clearly, and he's passionate about football. What are your thoughts on that? I mean, absolutely. And I think it's, it's not just passionate about football, but passionate about children becoming better at football but also becoming better at football and enjoying the process and it Mm. being about them enjoying becoming better at football rather than it being about a result which is important to a coach Mm. again you know the results important to the children too and they will learn um, how to win and lose Um, but the other thing I like about Ray is they will learn about respect they will learn you know, they won't be appealing for, oh, I don't know, throw-ins that aren't theirs. Yeah. Um, they will be um, just honest and they will actually be looking to learn through making things difficult. Um, so, I, I mean, Ray will often get players to play out of position so they mm-hmm. have to learn a different skill mm. or they'll learn... Um, what it's like to have to be a defender if they're normally attack. Mm, um, mm. If a team, if the team that he's sort of working with are sort of winning, he'll often change it around um, or put in a different challenge, often with something mine. So the example I give, I was once, um, he was working at one school, I was working at another, and uh, their team were, were beating us. Uh, and I noticed that he'd, he'd instructed his team that they could only um, attack after the ball had gone back to the goalkeeper. Okay. Because what he wanted to do was to get his team to realise that the game of football is all about space and manipulating space and moving the opposition into space to create space for you to play into. Mm. By incorporating the goalkeeper as an opposition, you end up chasing the ball towards the goal line, creating more space, thus making it easier to be scored oh, against. I see. Um, but it's obviously, it's it's much easier just to kick the ball long and it's much more dangerous to play the ball round the back to the goalkeeper. Mm. Um, but he made his team have to do this. He put that rule in mm. um, and it made them play in a different way. And actually, strangely, it made them even more effective than they were originally. But yeah. it's just yeah. constant challenge, but challenge that 
it's it's again it's rooted in playing the game and learning through a game so it, it's very different to a lot of football environments but mm. fortunately it's not the only one that they're increasing and i think again because of um ray's influence in the local area lots of lots of schools are starting to approach football slightly differently oh, this is good this is good well i think we need to bring this whole episode to a close now um, but for anyone listening that might want to find out more about Football for Fun or find out more about Snaresbook Prep, then just go online and whether it's Twitter or Facebook, just search Snaresbook Prep or get in touch through the school's website. And to stay up to date with the next episode that's coming out soon, then be sure to follow this podcast. And then it just means that you'll get a small notification the next time an episode is out. But that's for next time. Thank you for listening to this episode and we look forward to speaking to you again soon. Bye for now. Ralph, do you want to say goodbye as well? I always forget that. Bye for now. (laughs) Bye for now. Bye-bye.